Hi, I'm Sean Horn, founder and CEO of BeBell.ie. So what is BeBell? Well, it's a place of positivity. It's a place where you can be happy, be kind, be bold, feel supported and encouraged to fulfill your dreams. So join us on social at BeBell.ie for future events and upcoming podcasts. With that in mind, welcome to series two. We've interviewed some amazing, inspirational women this series. So pop on your headphones, sit back, relax, and enjoy. So today I am, well, I always say I'm delighted to be joined by, but like this is my pal. So this is going to be like the most normal chat ever because when you talk to someone that you know a lot of their story, but sometimes when you're out with the girls, you don't want to ask some questions. I get to ask those questions today. So I'm so, so happy, I should say, to introduce my friend, Jeanette Cronin. Jeanette, hi. Hi. Thank you so much. I have been waiting to do this for <laughs> about a year and a half, two years. I know. I can't believe I got to do you before you did me. <laughs> that sounds rude, Jeanette. <laughs> interview you <laughs> absolutely and actually well you're the first person that ever interviewed me on live actually which and I I so enjoyed it um it's a bit like when Steph asked to interview me here on Bebel um that was really strange for me that was the first time I was the other side of of the microphone as they say but um but like obviously I know a lot of your story and we were talking actually just before we came on air and we were saying, you know, a lot of our story can, both our personal stories could be interpreted as a bit, little bit doomy and gloomy because, you know, we, we both of us not always been in fabulous places, but actually by talking about it, people can see that there's such a positive that you can take Mm -hmm. from anything adverse that happens to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, and my past is what's made me and it's what makes me so grateful for normality (laughs) and the small things, you know? So um, I appreciate everything I have now because of that. And it's made me who I am. So, so no, it is positive. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I I think it is. I think it's a real inspiring story. And I think, uh, you know, I, I, I'm I'm proud to call you a friend and I love that we champion each other and, and, and that's really special um at any time you know not even in 220 we were doing this well before 220 (laughs) absolutely so look bbell is obviously you know you've just launched an amazing online platform in your own business in your in your you know your professional life but bbell is all about the person behind the brand and what a strong brand Jeanette Cronin is and so let's go right back let's where did it all begin where were you born Oh, I was born in Limerick City um, on O'Connell Avenue in a, a little, it was like a nursing home, what was it called? The Marion. It was like a like a house, like a terrace house. Um, but I was born there. I'm from County Limerick, uh, Kilmallock, County Limerick, small town. Um, and yeah, I was 1982. Um, <laughs> simpler times, simpler times. So yeah, oh, everyone is from Cork, but I'm actually from Limerick. Yeah, no, and... Like I, I would spend some time in Limerick. I have a sister in Ennis, so I love Limerick. I think it's a great town. But I remember when I first moved over in 2000, people say, "Oh, Limerick's quite rough." So how do, you know it, it doesn't really have that that connotation anymore. I have to say before I get in trouble. But it sort of <laughs> did when I first moved to Ireland in 2000. So when you were growing up, what was it like? Oh well, I was in the county. Like I'm, like it, there was, you know. It's, small town um so it wasn't like there wasn't much excitement um at all so um my my parents had a business in the town my dad was a butcher he had a butcher shop my mum was a baker um so she had a bakery out the back as well as like so we our back was so strange we had it was like we had an acre of land like in the middle of town and so there was um a whole like dog run for my dad had greyhounds so there was like a whole place for the dogs then there was an abattoir um obviously you know yeah. dad's trade then there was a bakery as well so my mom had a bakery my dad had an abattoir he had the place for the dogs it was like actually a huge site so there was a lot going on um and it was like in the middle of the town so I grew up like I was even though I was like a country girl I was still a townie like I never experienced real dark 
you know, until I was about 18. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Always had street life. And where did you sit in the family? Brothers, sisters? Uh, yeah, I was the baby. So um, two older brothers. Um, so 12 years and 11 years older than me. So two, and again, I was like the a girl after two boys in a butcher shop as well. So I was just adored, you know, I was just like this little pink ball of like girliness in the middle of all these men because it was like obviously all men working for my dad and yes. stuff as well. So, uh, so yeah, I was I was a very exciting addition. Um yeah, definitely. And did you feel that as well, you know, when you were young? Did you feel that everybody Oh my God, did I what? Um, so funny, like um, the, the stuff they, they made me do, like I had a tongue on me. I was like a sailor, you know, because obviously like I was this doughty little blonde thing, you know, pigtails. And they used to make me say these things like, I was, oh my God, I can't even say it on this. It couldn't be repeated. Um, so because it was just all the men like around me all the time. Um, but uh, so, yeah, no, I was adored. I was, I was adored from day one. Um, they were just, yeah. I was I was very very lucky very lucky and so school did you go to like the local school <laughs> I did, did like I it? did <laughs> pardon did you like it <laughs> uh I, I did um I, I did and I didn't I liked school I didn't like um I didn't I wasn't actually I started in play school I started in play school when I was three and I was there for like two and a half years I was five and a half before I started school you would have had like you would have um bought and sold me like I was just I was such a gum like even though I was I was quite bright um I was a good student I had like no street smarts at all like at all like god love me I was I was such a gum um so I I really liked school but I didn't like the politics of it I didn't understand it I understood adults way more than my peers um I I would I would be able to have like a, a debate with an adult and hold my own like if it was someone my own age not a clue at all like I was like what why don't they like me I don't understand what have I done wrong you know so um so yeah I didn't understand other girls I went to a girls school um it wasn't until I went to secondary that it was mixed okay and when you said like you couldn't you, you found it difficult with your peers so did you did you have a group of friends did um, you, were you the social really. or did you just go to school to learn and leave like a lot of my friends did that yeah I I like you'd friends all right in school like it was a small town but um I have one friend Roisin who's still my best friend to this day and uh we <laughs> she because uh, we we grew up in the town her parents had a pub and we lived on the same uh, side of the street and we weren't allowed to cross the road so when um she was maybe three I was four and a half like we met you know in the street or whatever and I was like can you go over there you know to the other side of the road and uh, she's like no can you and I was like no do you want to be friends yeah great <laughs> so so we've been friends ever since and she's been that like one constant in my life like I call her my sister I don't have any sisters and yes. uh she, she is like the closest thing I have like we grew up in each other's houses like we're, we're you know we're there from day one so yeah so there was always Roisin um and then there's like I had like people I was friendly with in school but um but there was you know girls are girls and they'll just there was never a kind of um I never really felt um like it was constant you know like you were ever um fully accepted you know you might be accepted for a while but then someone would turn and you there was always kind of drama in school just with girls and it wasn't just me it was kind of more there was politics in school you know with girls are bitches like um and there was one girl in particular who was just I don't know a tyrant and if she said like you know we don't like this person this week then you know everyone just went that way and they're like okay we just can't say anything with you know so it was always it was very strange like I I liked school but still it was kind of there was yeah there was times when I really didn't like it at all so and it was just I didn't understand it and did you feel the difference going from all girls to mixed um oh my god yeah well did I what um I, I loved it god I loved first year I was like my god this is fantastic boys <laughs> you know and um and I was a lot I was like quite confident in in first year as well um and it was the first time I had kind of I was accepted I was straight A's um I didn't have 
that there was none of the bullying kind of thing going on in first year. Um, and I went to boarding school as well, which was um, like only six miles away. Like <laughs> literally, they didn't do art um, in the school or in the town where I was from. So that's why I went to Ruff, but there was no, um, there was no bus. So my mom was like, I'm not driving you up and down every day. You can stay there. So <laughs> pretty oh. much like, which is hilarious because she used to like drive me to school when I lived in, like up the street from it. But anyway, um, so yeah, so I went to Bruff and um, yeah, no, first year was was great. I just lo- loved it. Uh, had a great time. And it was only in second year when when all that kind of stuff kind of happened again. And I was like, oh, why don't they like me? But but I think that's just part of life, really. It's just girls. Yeah, well, the girls have fickle relationships, I think, at that age. And, um, you know, I, I talk often about being a social butterfly, moving from group to group. Um, and that that was one of the reasons I, I, I was always very aware that in every group, there was always someone that seemed to be ostracised at some point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I could never really understand it. So I thought, well, if I don't spend too much time there, they, you know, they they won't notice. I'll just I go off to the other team. But um but obviously, you know, so your first year, when you were at school, did you gravitate to certain areas? Were you sporty? <laughs> Who's right <writing> oh, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Myself and Roisin were growing up. It was so funny. Like, she was so sporty. She did everything. She played camogie. She did athletics. She did everything. Like, I remember we used to be out playing and she'd be, like, climbing trees. And she'd be like, come on. <laughs> I was like no she brought me back to hurling field one time it's like tried to you know hit a slitter you know she's like why can't you just hit the ball so I run away from from the ball like I'm just really I'm just I have no coordination whatsoever I was more um wasn't music then it was art my whole life actually all growing up was like um you know every every time anyone was away and would bring me present it was always crayons or you know something so I was always um, painting and drawing and coloring in and it was always something to do with that Um, and that's why when I went to secondary school that's why I went to Brough because they didn't have art where I was from I always said oh I want to be I want to do art when I leave school that was always the way Um, but it was only when I went to Brough then that um, I got the music bug I got my tonsils out when I was 14 and suddenly I could sing because like there is no music in my family there is art but like no music um my my poor mom and her family like Christmas when they do sing songs is just comedy gold because like like and I love them to death yes. and I really enjoy their sing songs but like it's it <laughs> um I think my mom my mom and her sisters um when they were young I don't know what they ended up doing it for, but they ended up in in the opera house in Cork, um, singing. They the three of them <laughs> sang for oh, some wow. competition or something. No, it was I I don't I don't know how it happened, but apparently at the end of their routine, whoever was the judge was like, "Well, girls, you look lovely." <laughs> <laughs> so um, that 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 says my my mum's side of the family they look fantastic but they wouldn't be known for uh holding a tune my dad whistles all right um but the, no there was no music at all but um but yeah I started I kind of got the music bug and bro so at 14 obviously after those tonsils came out so what did you think like how, I mean how did you just suddenly discover you could sing okay so in while well, I played the piano since I was um eight maybe but I didn't like exams. I didn't like, um, so I never did the grades and stuff. I kind of did an exam the first year and then I didn't like the kind of pressure you were put under for it. So my mom was yeah. like, okay, listen, I bought you the piano. You can, um, <laughs> you can like keep learning like your way, you know, like if, if, the, if you'll keep playing. And I was like, grand. So I just kind of played stuff that, um, that I wanted to kind of learn. So I was always kind of a bit of um, like into show tunes and all all that kind of stuff loved android weber and you know basically like i'm a gay man trapped in a girl's body and um so i always loved that kind of stuff so i used to learn how to play those things but i never really because it was music that i knew already i never really took much notice of the sheet music okay you know so i never learned fully you know because i didn't do grades and i didn't do all those kinds of things i just kind of like i was i was handy like i could get away with playing a few bits but you know i couldn't um sight read i could you know it was great but um in when i went to Brough 
I was boarding, obviously. So um, there was a music teacher there. She used to do piano lessons after school. So I was like, oh, I'll continue my piano lessons with the music teacher. So I used to go to her for piano. But then in that school as well, it was really strange. They used to have singing class like on a Thursday afternoon, just like maths or English or anything. There was singing like as you do. But because I used to go to her for piano lessons, I used to sit beside her, you know, when she used to play. And in second year, she just, um, I don't know, she probably could hear that there was a bit of a difference or something. So she kept me after class one day and she's like, will you will you stay back and just do a few scales for me? So I did. And then she cast me as the lead in the school show, you know, for Christmas. I was Joseph in um, Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Um, yeah, you should have seen me. Oh, my God. I'd like to show. I know I had like um this gold like um do you know like those like um Aladdin pants <laughs> but it was like like lame um but 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 crunchy like it was hard it was like wearing tinfoil um and oh god and I remember I had like the step you know the 90s step in my hair I had cut out the perm out of my hair at this stage and I had this like step to my ear like this. Oh, my God, you should have seen me. Sure, I was just gorgeous altogether. So that that was how it um it all started. Uh, so, yeah, it was Rhoda Cleary, my music teacher in Brough, who started me singing. So she was just and so you're sitting there and you're, you become aware that you are, you know, you're, you're an amazing singer. But you are aware of it. So what were your dreams, your aspirations? Where was this going to take you? Oh God, I know, like I still had the art thing because I didn't actually do music as a subject in school. It was more like on the side um, because music clashed with art and I didn't know that music was an interest when I started. So um, no, I was still still obsessed with art and still wanted to do that, but just kind of had started getting the music bug. So like Rhoda was amazing. Um, like she had us like in choirs and stuff. Oh my God, we, <laughs> we were part of a choir that sang um, with Daniel O'Donnell um in the in on his Christmas album so it was like we were up in the point so we had to record it first of all and then we had to do his Christmas shows in the point and in the Green Glens arena in Mill Street so funny um but I used to do all like different things with her um but then after you know the way people would go to Irish college over here you know in the summer they'd go to Irish college and um oops I'll put up the the I turned down the volume because the beep came in, but I'll turn it up again because I realized I turned you down. Sorry. Um, The joys of Zoom. But instead of Irish College, Rhoda told me about this thing. It was um, like musical theater workshop. So you'd go to Thurless um, for two weeks and stay in the Earthline Convent and you would sing, dance and act for two weeks. Sure. I was like, after I did that, I was, you know, I was no more right I was like this is this is this is it and it was all show tunes and stuff and then I met other people who were the exact same as me because like I was like I was in County Limerick it's not like yeah you know I was saying it on one of my lives last week when I was interviewing some Dublin people and I said I had total culture syndrome like watching them are you know about Dublin people because I was like oh he had everything handed to you up in Dublin he had all these things he could do um like do you know the toy show you know, that's on every Christmas, you know. So every year when we were growing up, right, we used to watch the toy show and it'd be all these Billy Barry kids, which is like the stage school. in. Oh, yeah. We used to I used to watch them be like, look at those bastards. They get to sing and dance and like on the toy show every year just because they're from Dublin, you know. So it's totally like, you know, like because there was nothing available like for us like down where I was from. So um, so when I got to go to this thing in the summer, I was like, wow so cool so after that then even though I still loved art I was totally like gone I just loved performing I was you know um singing acting um and actually it turned out on my CAO when I was applying for college first on my list was actually drama and trinity so it wasn't even necessarily the singing because like I can sing I can but I'm like I can sing but I I'm better at makeup do you know, I'm like, it's grand. Like I can sing, you know, I'm better than my mom. God love her. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I never, I always kind of had imposter syndrome a little bit with the singing. I'm like, well, I'm grand. Say, I think there's a bit of imposter syndrome going on there because I have heard you sing and you're not like, I can sing. Like I can, I can sing, but I, I can't sing. <laughs> and you can really sing. Like you can hold an audience. Whereas I would 
at karaoke when everybody's pissed. <laughs> yeah, I no, I I never, I never, I never felt good enough with singing. Never did. Never did. But you never felt good enough. What gave you the the confidence to to take that further and audition for for, oh. for a national competition? Which you oh, you entered. God. How old were you when you interviewed for that? Oh. Twenty, twenty-two, twenty-three. So, what happened between that going to Thurlis and thinking, you know, I'm, I'm, I stick with the art, but I do a bit of drama. To actually, I'm going to audition for this. Well, that yeah. Well, a lot happened in between. Like, I ended up going to. I didn't get. I went through all the the auditions for for Trinity for drama and they were like you just want to act and I was like yeah and but it was drama and theatre studies so like there was like assistant directors from Bally Kiss Angel who were in the auditions like the same day as me you know they're like we have people wanting to do all kind of areas of theatre for this course they're like you need to go to the gaiety like you just want to act and my parents god love them like their intentions were were good but they said no you need a degree they wouldn't allow me to go to the gaiety so I was like okay I'll do a degree I'll do music so I um so I ended up going to UCC to do music um instead but I hated like every second of it hated it like I was I was classically trained yeah it's so weird because I did theatre studies for a level and absolutely hated it I just wanted to act and I hated the fact that I had to write up on Chekhov and you know it just wasn't for me and had you actually gone to the gaiety at that time we would have probably met because what year was that Oh, 2000? Yeah, we would have definitely met because my friend was the only person I knew in Ireland. My friend ran the gaiety at the time. Isn't that funny? And actually, later on, we missed each other again, didn't we? Um, Through another friend. Um, Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, so when you think of actually how people end up meeting, I always think of actually we met there and we could have met there and we crossed paths and, you know, so what's the word they call serendipity um Mm. so we were always meant to meet Jeanette this is really weird okay so so you went you couldn't do what you wanted to do did that frustrate you though it it yeah it did because like I was studying really hard um because drama and trinity was like over like 600 points or whatever you know you needed you needed a lot of points to do it so um so I was studying like really really hard and then they were like well you just want to act and then you know my parents were like no you need a degree and stuff and I was like okay grand but sure I just I knew I'd get like it was like 300 points or something for uh, UCC I knew I'd get that in my sleep with the amount of work I'd put in over the last year and a half or whatever so I put my feet up for the rest of the year I think my French book was under my bed for like I think um, and I'm some dope like like I'm handy enough like I'm you know I can I'm studious but when it comes to common sense sometimes I'm not like Rob calls me um his sure-footed mountain goat like you know I'm very clumsy but also like I'm such a dope sometimes so I went into my French exam uh and I was like I don't like French I that's going to be the subject I leave out because you 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 know you only have to count so many for your points and I remember one of my like um classmates was like but you want to go to university don't you and I was like yeah was like you need a language and I was like oh um <laughs> be grand <laughs> be grand because I thought I was going to cram because um I'm like I've re- like as 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 clumsy and everything as I am I have the, I'm a sponge I retain everything so if I cram I'll you know I'll be fine and then my poor grandmother she died the week before my leaving cert so all of my cramming didn't get a chance to happen so I totally winged my leaving cert and to this day I have dreams that I'm back like studying for my leaving cert again like that I'm back in the in the exam hall it's one of my regrets actually that I didn't continue the study I was doing you know prior to not getting through the last audition I was like I wish I actually tried my potential but that was it wasn't until I was in my 30s probably that I started um (laughs) you know trying to like go after my potential I've just pressed self-destruct um over and over again until then um but yeah so that was um the drama thing didn't happen so I ended up doing music and I was classically trained 
so I could sing like you know kind of opera and all that kind of stuff um and I think that's why I kind of had imposter syndrome when it came to contemporary stuff because I was classically trained um so and I and and I still I think maybe it's from doing that competition that maybe I do have imposter syndrome because maybe I was like a little bit cocky when I went for it like for the audition because like what age was I 22 I was sure I had no fear at that stage. I was like, what, you know? And plus I have, I get, um, I saw the ad on the telly and I just get this gut reaction sometimes, like literally my tummy flipped and I was like, oh, that's a bit strange. Maybe I should go for that and see what happens. But I was singing in a band at the time. Um, so I'll backtrack a little bit. This probably isn't making yes. any sense um so I'll backtrack a little bit so I went to UCC was classically trained doing all that course hated it um and then I ended up going to this nightclub that's legendary in Cork so for anyone from Cork uh, they'll have heard of Sir Henry's and um so I went to Henry's I discovered house music and I was like sign me up please um where has this been all my life and uh loved it oh my god became such an anorak uh wanted to know everything about it um ended up getting a set of decks from my 21st like I was obsessed this is back when there was vinyl like there was no cdjs and all that it was always obsessed ended up joining this band and we used to do like live house music so I used to I started writing my own stuff then and uh, we played oxygen um oh so cool like I loved every second um of that so I so that's what I'd been doing for you know the year or two up until that audition and then I saw the the ad on the telly and then I was like Tommy flipped went for it didn't think anything of it like I just said sure you know I'll just go and then I just kept getting through like I was just you know is it called again you're a star that's it and actually so that was two th- I'd, I'd only just recently moved here so I watched it and um like as as you were going through that process though you know you you said like you know you were a bit cocky you were like yeah I'm going but didn't have any huge expectations but you just yeah. kept getting through yeah I like because I didn't care like I actually did like nothing to lose exactly I was just doing it for the crack yeah. um because I thought in my head that oh it'll be good promo for the band if I get through do you know um and I just I just thought like I I had I think back then as well I had like these dreams you know I wanted to be Roisin Murphy when I grew up you know I just like I thought I was you know like I don't know I just had these dreams like back then I'd I'd kind of been through a bit of a crap time and then I was kind of trying to get myself out of it so it was always this kind of like depths of despair go after your dreams depths of despair go after your dreams so this was the go after your dreams and try and you know stage that I was (laughs) in now and and I kind of believed anything was possible and I, I was kind of feeling a bit more confident then. So I thought, you know, oh, I'll go for it. So, and I was really like, it was kind of that same kind of gum mentality that I had as well. Like I was just, I trusted everyone would say everything that came out of my mouth, didn't hold back at all, uh, which came to bite me in the arse afterwards. Cause I was like, oh, everyone's my friend. Um, <laughs> do you know? And I really didn't have any cop on at all. God love me. Um, so so yeah. But it was it was just mad. I kept getting through, and I didn't really didn't expect to at all. And where 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 did that bring you? Where did it take you? I got to the <laughs> nowhere. Um, <laughs> I got I got to I got to the week before the final, and sure footed mountain goat that I am, uh, ended up uh, tripping and breaking my nose. Um, yeah but it ended up being like in the hotel we'd been living in for 10 weeks um at this stage and uh but it like it was myself and the two the contestants that were left and um the lads from a band that had been voted out a week before we were drinking in the residence bar and I was um I slipped on a loose tile and fell like launched forward into a desk um and I don't I'm not a normal person who puts out their hands to save them like so I literally was like evil Knievel head first like into the desk um so yeah so the tabloids had a bit of a field day and um yeah and uh, yeah so it wasn't it wasn't the best uh so I but I had to go on with the broken nose uh that was the Tuesday 
like into the Wednesday morning that that happened and ended up in hospital and I was on the show the following Sunday. So um, yeah, not my finest moment. And what happened after that show? God, like nothing, obviously like, um, so I was on telly for like 10 weeks or whatever. Yeah. And like everyone afterwards was so lovely. Everyone I met um, was like, oh, you're that girl off the thing. You know, like I never had any, anyone in real life I never had any drama that way. Now the tabloids were were awful and like they were really, really nasty and that affected my family and stuff a lot. Um, and it affected me then as well because I was so mortified. I was like, oh my God, I'm after putting myself, you know, in the public eye to do this and then this happens. And and like, I, I was no, um, God, I was no angel, but a lot of the stuff that was being said about me at the time, like it was just so false and there was nothing you could do. It's not like there's social media, like there is now. You couldn't, you had no voice back then. So you just had to kind of, um, so my my kind of self-esteem took a bit of a tumble and I was just so lost after that because everyone, you know, in Ireland as well, you know, think, oh, you were on the telly. You must have all these opportunities to you now. They're like, but what now? And I'm like, nothing. I just had to go back to my life and felt, oh God, I just like failed in front of the nation. So that was, and I, and because everyone had kind of, even though everyone was lovely, everyone had an opinion of me. It was a very strange kind of experience to have when you don't really know yourself and then everyone else feels like they know you it was very very strange and um, took me a while to to kind of get used to that it's like the newspapers had created those girls in the playground yeah yeah jesus yeah yeah never thought of that um because hmm. you talk a lot about you know being down and up and down and up and you know that's that's emotions but you know some people that that's like an almost an addiction you know when you when you drop low you come back up but then the next time you drop you may drop a little deeper and then you come back up and then you may drop a little deeper and come back up so you've done a lot of that so that's really you know that that's really resilient to come out the other side oh yeah god but I had like I think my whole I think from six years of age until maybe my 30s was all get you know one step forward 27 steps back one step forward 27 steps you know it was all just getting resilient and trying to not be affected so much by what's on the outside or what happens on the outside or people's opinion or you know kind of and if you if you're if you go through enough things like you know this yourself you realize be grand do you know, like you actually are fine and you get a bit braver after each setback you have. But I think I, I think I never really accepted myself all growing up. And I think I blame everything that ever happened. I always blame myself. So it wasn't until my late 20s into my 30s that I kind of started to accept myself and forgive myself. And um, and then when you do that from the inside out, you the stuff on the outside affects you less and you know you're you kind of make decisions from a better place and stuff as well so um so yeah so back then but I think because I was so low and I but I was always a fighter I kept coming back so I think that's why I always was like okay you know there has to be more out there if I've, I've been through that and I've come through that I'm aiming for you know stars here so you know <laughs> Absolutely, and take them. So, so what? Where did that lead you? God, where did that lead me? I think um, uh, that was actually after that that I started working in hair, and I met Fergal from Origin, the amazing Fergal O'Connor from Origin Hair Design, and uh, and I'd seen that they were looking for a receptionist, and so funny. I met him on a night out. And I was like, oh, you own that salon. You're looking for a receptionist. And he was like, yeah, yeah. And took no notice of me. And then someone said to him, oh, that's your one that was on the telly. And sure, he was over to me like straight away. And he was like, oh, yeah, come in on Monday. I'll see you then. And for the first year that I was there, he was so funny. He used to, and Fergal, I hope you're listening, because he used to grab me by the shoulders and put me behind his his ladies. And he'd be like, you remember Jeanette, don't you? She was on the telly. <laughs> the only reason he hired me. The only reason. And... um so so that that's how I started working in hair I ended up um yeah managing hair salons for almost like 10 years 
but um but no he was so good himself and Vicky his business partner they were amazing because when I was 25 I had my kind of final last kind of nervous breakdown that was when I really um I yeah I got that was the last because I'd had I'd had a few up until then um but this was the last one and it was after this one I was like it's it's do or die you know I either have to change something now or it wasn't that long since I was 20 it won't be that long till I'm 30 so um that's when I left Cork I went back home and my mum was like what are you gonna do you know and I was like I don't know maybe go back to college or something she's like would you do music again would you do drama blah blah and I was like no and I was like I want to figure out why I am the way I am I want to to figure out because my mind had been bringing me you know to dark places you know my whole life so I wanted to get stronger and and how does that happen I suppose I'm I'm sure and obviously this is a this is a test in time for everybody worldwide but for some people life is just testing Mm. and that obviously seemed to be the way for you and until you got that light bulb moment and and made a decision I presume for yourself that you you wanted to change it and and so what do you think the answer was like I think it's, it was actually just that decision because when I was six, um, my brother committed suicide when he was 16 and I'd seen the the whole, you know, aftermath of that, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I had, you know, been suicidal myself before that, like when I was 18 and a little, there was a few episodes after that, you know, just life, you know, just was just coming at me, you know, left, right and centre, you know, just as it does. But when I got, but I was, because I hated myself so much, I thought I didn't mind pressing self-destruct on my own life. You know, I just didn't, I didn't care because I I really didn't value myself. I didn't think I was worth it. I thought I was the one at fault. I, I actually thought I was broken. I just thought I was just broken beyond repair. And when I got to 25, I realized the kind of the destruction I was causing you know, and that was actually having an effect on, you know, my family and other people. And I think that that was my wake up call. It was like, I can't do this. I can't put my parents through this again. Not after they've been through this, like their whole lives. Like my my mom was younger than I am now when my brother died. You know, it's like she's been living through this, you know, like since she was 36. Like I'm not I can't put her through this. I Again, I can't. So that's when I was just like, no, cop on. So I think that was the, the wake up call for me. So that's why I wanted to go back and understand. So that's why I went back to college and did counselling and psychotherapy. So, you know, you mentioned again, though, that you couldn't see other people go through that. What about you? Oh, no, I, I still hated myself at this stage. I'd like, oh, okay. oh but, yeah. So it was a very unselfish act that you did initially because you were thinking about others. You were repairing yourself for other people so that they didn't have to go through what they had to go through before. <laughs> Exactly. Like I can't, I can do this to myself. No problem. But I, 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 when you don't like yourself, that's very hard. But when you grow up seeing what that's done to a family, you know, like when you live through that, you can't, I I couldn't, I couldn't do it again. Yeah. I couldn't, couldn't do it to them. So, um, so that's why I was like, no, I have to, I have, I have to figure there, there's a way out. I have to figure out there, there has to be a way um and that's when I just started studying and and I I went back to college my mom had trained as a counsellor and she'd done the course and when she was listing all different things you know like what would you do she said how about my course because I was like I'd like psychology or some I want to figure out because I'm you know what I'm like I'm like a join the dots kind of a girl you know I'd figure out what goes where and I'll come up with a plan and I'll do that and blah 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 so and it was the same as the the audition and the telly you know it's like I saw my tummy flipped I was like oh go that way she said how about my course my tummy flipped I was like oh must do that I suppose and I did that for two years and it was um the best thing I ever did ever did changed my life um now it took me another probably I'd say 10 years actually before I was me like me that I am now like I look back on my teens and my 20s and I like I feel like it happened to someone else 
Okay. Um, I, like, I, I look back in my 20s and I honestly don't know who that person was. I'm like, who in the name of God was that? Like, I feel like I'm in my 20s now, but sane, <laughs> like not, 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 not mental, you know, yeah. um, like someone asked me the other day, like, how are you feeling now? And I was like, well, I'm not dressed as a chicken or suicidal. So I think today is a good day, you know, like, so <laughs> like, um, so yeah, it's so, it's, it's so good, but it, but it was a process of just looking back, joining the dots and learning to accept myself and forgive myself. And I think that's a really important word you've just used, forgive, because if you couldn't forgive yourself, you have to, that, that's the beginning of the root, isn't it? Oh, totally. And I think that was probably the last piece of it, you know, because I kind of got to accepting myself, you know, over the years, you know, bit by bit and getting a bit braver and stuff. Um, but the forgiveness probably, you know, because uh, like I would have dreams of my past and like things that situations I got myself into or you know you know hurting people or whatever and I would still relive them you know even god until recently and so as much as you I think that's why I'm such a go-getter you know I thought like if I go after this then I'll be okay and then that's okay but I, I think the forgiveness was you're okay now you can stop like it's enough you know yeah. you're okay mm. no absolutely I think it's really really important because when you're going through things as well, you know, it's always that thing. You don't know what happened to somebody this morning. Yeah. So someone may react to you differently than they normally react to, but you, you honestly don't know what's going on, Yeah. you know, behind the eyes. And, and I just think it's so important to take that into consideration. So you finished the course, you forgave yourself and I'm delighted you, you did. <laughs> <laughs> and, and self-love came in. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think when I finished the course, um, the recession had hit and the lovely Fergal brought me back um, and, and Vicky and I went back to my job and I was there for another few years. And that's where we met and yes. working together. Um, but like, you know me, when you met me, when was I, I was like 30, like I was, I was okay. Like I wasn't mental like I was before, you know, I was like, you know, fairly well, normal. Okay, but I, I certainly would notice the trait that, um, you have always, you know, I always say my mum, you know, she she steps on your toes. She says, sorry, do you know what I mean? And and, and that, that reminded me of you at the time. And I'd be like, this, I was very aware that you didn't aware how amazing you were at what you did. That's, yeah. That shone to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why does this girl not get it? Why is, because she's so good. And, and people are underestimating her and they shouldn't because she's power. Mm-hmm. And I just remember having, I mean, we just got on so well, you know, and I just remember just thinking, you know, when I listen to people, I'm, I'm, I'm very good at picking people's passions. And I just think everybody should do their passion. Mm. I just knew you weren't. Uh, but then it all came, didn't it? Oh, I did, but you were the start of it all because like you came into my life and you were a complete stranger and you were there telling me you're like oh my god you're like so good at what you do because like within you know the field I was in you know you're really organized and you're this that and the other and I was like am I because I thought I was actually a disappointment because I had all these dreams and aspirations to you know like I'm going to be like you know a rock star or I'm going to be this or I'm going to be an actress and I'm going to be this and I felt like oh well you know uh at least you know I'm not like you know dressed as a chicken again so like but I felt like a disappointment oh thank you himself just brought me in a cup of tea um uh so but I felt like a disappointment for I like in the job I was in I was like who would have me you know I'm only in the job I'm in because I ended up there before but I have nothing behind me on my CV I have no qualifications really except for the counselling um like I still felt very like I wasn't confident and you started putting that belief in me or like you know like you're like Liam Neeson you know you have a certain set of skills you're actually you really good I was like, really? This is actually an asset. I didn't know that. Um, so, so yeah, that's when I started getting a bit braver. I ended up going to um, a large chain of salons and ended up doing their management training program, and that was the start of it all. Then I, I met like so many amazing people on that that are still my best friends to this day. Um, and I ended up traveling around the country, like going to different salons as a relief manager, and it's really, really 
a test of someone to go around and be like, hi, I'm your new boss there for a few weeks or a few months or whatever into a whole team that you've never met before. Like you have to be, you know, like that was the best training ever for me. Um, so, so good. Um, and amazing that made me social, more confident. Amazing social skills to be able to do that. That's what I did in pubs in my early 20s was yeah, exactly yeah. that. And I think I never, I completely underestimated actually how important that was for my career long term because you have to win people over very very quickly because you're not there for long and you need Mm -hmm. the most from them oh Um, and everyone was so lovely they really were so lovely I was in Clonmel for 10 weeks I was managing there for 10 weeks and the team there were just oh like that was my first experience but they were my first salon that I went to and I will thank them to this day because they made me like what I am today because that was my first kind of because I was like oh my god like I'm only in the company like six months and I'm here doing this but they were all they were so lovely um but yeah so I did that for a few years and ended up joining a band a wedding band um oh my god because that was my biggest fear then to go back on stage because I was so like mortified after the other thing um that I was like okay if I can get back up on stage then you know and I still to this day like I still won't sing anywhere um but it was really good confident thing just to get up in front of people and all the lads in the band were so gassed so I was with them for a few years and then um that was all part of the you know every little step was getting me braver to by the time I was 33 then I I was always doing makeup in the background like my whole life even when I was on Eurostar I used to spend like every Sunday with Lisa O'Connor God rest her soul she'd since passed away but I learned so much from her and she used to let me do my makeup my own way um as well you know she used to let me do my own liner and I learned so much from her um but I never thought I could be a makeup artist like ever because I had no course done I didn't know anything and then I just started doing like the other hairdressers I was working with well, I'm not a hairdresser, but the girls at work asked me, you know, would I do their makeup? And then another girl asked me and then another girl asked me. And then with all my management experience, I was like, maybe if I start like handing out my CV and then the rest is history. So just. It is mad. mad though. Like it just it just happened, didn't it? And I think yeah. you were let it was like you were let go. It was like, well, I suppose it's like you let go of everything, actually, rather than you being let go. You let go of everything else and mm-hmm. actually believe that you could do what you're naturally such an expert at. It's mental. So weird. It just kind of all like happened. Like it was so everything. It's so I think if you love something, if you have a passion for it, then you will naturally work your arse off you know every you will take every opportunity you will take every job you will get up at the crack of dawn you will go to bed at midnight you will you know you will just do whatever it takes because and because as well like a lot of my life had been so crap when I finally got to do something that I wanted to like I'd been managing creative people for years now I got to do the fun stuff I was like oh my god like this is like I might as well be five plaiting your hair it's just playing dress up you know and it was like makeup was starting to like become more of a thing back then as well and I was I was managing the England and Mahon Point and that was like the place to be and it was all very exciting we were like up the walls and the team there were just incredible like such amazing artists such amazing girls and I was like I was just loving life and I, I loved my job. But the only reason I left there was because I was the manager and I'd started to go back into my role. Like in hair, I was managing the creative people. I wasn't allowed to do all the makeups that I wanted to do. That was the only reason I left. Um, but, oh my God, it was just the start of everything. That's when I set up my pages. And and I think it was just that love of it that got me to where I am today. It was just... Well, you just started creating and your Instagram just went mental. I remember us going out one night and I was like, what do you, you've got, where have all these people come from? <laughs> and I remember, you know, we're just, I was like, this is absolutely bizarre to me. Um, and then I just started looking at all of your people and I was like, my God, you've done so much work. And, and I think that's what people forget, you know, like the work has to be done. And I mm. think you forget this sometimes, actually, you know, you spend you could spend an hour and a half creating a look mm. to put on for one picture. Mm. 
you know, realistically, like, okay, you repurpose and you might make a video and stuff like that. But it's a lot of work goes into the content that you create. Um, oh my God, and half that'd be like an eye. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> be like, what, on one side of the face, that takes hours. Yeah. I think mm. you forget how, how much that takes. And, and so what's next for Jeanette? God, I, like, to be honest, like, because I, I think it's from the counselling background that I actually ended up teaching very soon after I started doing makeup because my style was kind of different to what was out there, kind of out there at the time. It was a lot like the UK makeup artist I was obsessed with, P. Louise, and she had just started to come on the scene and I just was trying to recreate it just out of just genuine love for that kind of style and then because I was one of the first to do that over here I had people coming to me for lessons and I was like well this is what I figured out so far and it just ended up gaining legs from there and then I ended up um like setting up a makeup academy and like doing proper courses so for people who wanted to train to be makeup artists so then I was busy like say before a lockdown hit I was teaching my VTCT course Monday and Tuesdays for two different groups and then on Wednesdays and Thursdays I would um, train artists wanting to upskill then Fridays and Saturdays was makeups and weddings and that was my life and it was fantastic and I was like pinching myself that I was so busy um, and it was brilliant but I was bait like I was so wrecked because teaching like like you know yourself it takes so much out of you because you know you're really just looking at the person and just to, to wait to see that spark going yeah get it okay so you keep you know using your words and you know because everyone in our line of work they're all visual people they learn with you know so you have to create these images so I'd be like oh my god I'd be like Bob Ross painting a picture to them you know going like you know it's like this you know so that's why I have all my weird little sayings and how I describe my techniques it's from teaching for years um but yeah then when lockdown hit this time well the first one I was like, oh my God, it's like my superpower has been taken away from me. It's like, I'm not busy anymore. I can't be busy. I can't do what I always did. Like, what do I do? And that's when, like, you were my inspiration over, over the first lockdown. It was from watching Brainstorm every day that I was like, kept myself motivated, kept myself inspired. And if there's anything I've learned from my life to date, it was that, you know, <laughs> the worst has already happened. You know, yeah. if there's anything I can, can do, it's adapt. So how am I going to adapt? How am I going to pivot? You know, if if it's not the way I thought it was going to be, there's going to be another way. I will figure it out. And um, and so in the meantime, I was like, while I figure it out, I'll just start painting my own face because that relaxes me and that'll be a bit of crack. So I started putting up looks and then doing a few little tutorials and stuff. And then I had like all my followers being like, oh my God, that made way more sense to me than I've ever heard before. And that was a five minute tutorial. And then people were asking me to do courses and stuff. And then I couldn't do like, sure, as, as you can probably tell, I can't get to the point easily. So I'm very, very thorough when I teach. So I couldn't do like, you know, one of the Instagram courses with short videos. I couldn't do like I, I can't teach that way. I'm all or nothing. Yeah. So that's when I grabbed the amazing Ruth Fuller, who we all know and love. And it's like, Ruth, I have an idea. I want to do a course. And five months later, <laughs> my online course um, this ended up coming yeah, uh, on the scene. So. I wanted to create something that was for everyone. So, so not just for artists, for normal people, for, you know, older um, clients, for teens starting out. I wanted to break down makeup to that everyone could understand, that everyone can use it to, like, because it's really not brain surgery when you break it down. And it, like, it's so good. It's like meditation doing it. But then as well, you can like feel like you can take on the world if you have your makeup on you know and it's not about changing yourself it's not about adding loads of stuff like sure when we do your makeup shan we have like the tiniest bit on like oh, absolutely. Not- you, you have a great way of just enhancing the best bits of me <laughs> but that's all like if you love all the makeup then do that but if you don't if that's not you and you don't need it why cake yourself you know but it's yeah. understanding it and breaking it down so and that's kind of where the whole thing came from like and I'm so obsessed with empowering women to feel amazing and doing it themselves and feeling like you know not having to rely on anyone else to do it for them it's like you you probably have this in your makeup bag yourself it's not about going out and spending a fortune just understand how to do this and do it well and you'll be grand I just think it's such like I think this year has been so amazing because actually everything is so much more accessible Mm -hmm. um I think 
doing what you've done and putting it together so professionally not only has given the information to people that need it but also hopefully you won't end up going back to the treadmill that was your working week I mean I remember you you know you'd be working mental for like 12 weeks and then literally have to take a fortnight off because otherwise you might die like you you were so busy so busy so busy um yeah so and like I do miss the treadmill I miss doing makeups I miss oh god I miss faces oh god so much um but yeah I know I couldn't do that like I'm nearly 40 now so I know I can't continue those like 12 hour days you know six days a week um for for too much longer and I think that's what this year has taught people is that work-life balance do you know like we work to get time off but there's no point in working so much that when you get that time off you're you're not fit for anything you're not even aware you're not even in the moment so this year has just been incredible um in making me realize what's important um and it's given me such a lease of life creating creating the course and I've shared more of myself online as well over this like whole year than I ever have before. Like I told my story, um, like on my own page, and I'd never would have shared that before. Like so, I was so I, I was so proud of you when you did that because it's people. You know, some people will look and go, "Why did she do that?" But lots more people will look and go, "I resonate with that. Mm-hmm. I understand that." thank you for speaking about it we don't talk about it enough you know mm-hmm. we have to look after each other and we have to look after our minds and you know I, I often say like I, I would be you know I've, ne- I've never really suffered from depression I've certainly been through some dark stuff mm-hmm. um, without a doubt and maybe maybe I just didn't label it that name to be honest, mm-hmm. but there were certainly times that I was sat and rocking in a chair, you know, and mm-hmm. and there were certain people that were there that I needed as well, you know, and um, but I just think when you come out the other side, and I had to, you know, I had to start loving myself again mm-hmm. because my body didn't work and do the things that I wanted it to do. Yeah. So obviously I didn't like it very much. So we all have to, at some point, sit down like you did at 25 and say you know that I don't want this for my family I don't want this for myself I I want to find out why I feel like this and you know for me I'm like thank god you came out the other side um because and and thank god you told your story because the more people that talk mm-hmm. then it becomes more normal yeah. and we so realize everyone has a story everybody like, everyone has a story, has a story. And like what I want to share as well, like a lot of my my feed, especially, do you know, it's like me looking very glamorous altogether. Do you know, it's like all just, Your you know, it, on. <laughs> not at all, not at all. Like look at my stories and you're like, is that the same person? Like, you know, but like, but that's what I wanted to show, you know, like social media is, it, it can be a great place, but it can also be a place that if you take it seriously and look at what it is on the outside and think that that's real life then that's going to make you feel bad about yourself if you're if you're not careful so that's why I like to you know to counter you know that you know you know the glamorous side with the listen I'm a real girl you know I look like a foot on my balcony you know the majority of the time um you know like this morning I actually had uh happy Monday uh this is me without lash extensions you know looking like a bald chicken like you're welcome I just yeah. wanted to you know feel better today just give you a bit of a giggle that look this is this is like I actually am a potato um when I don't have all the the stuff on so, um, but, but, and it's grand, that's normal. That's real life. I can look like a potato and still like myself, you know, like I am so proud of myself now. I'm so like, I love my life. Um, I love the people I have in my life. Um, I'm grateful for everything I have. And I just want, if I can help anyone in any way to, to realize that anything is possible, um, then that's, yeah, that's all I want from life books, books ticked girl books ticked well, yeah well you were part of that story my god so I'm going to go into the jar we always finish with just a couple of really quick questions okay quick answers for me the first question what do you do for you your self-care oh I've actually 
I love I love to read um so that's that's kind of my thing it's just um either to learn or read because I'm doing like an Instagram course on like design and stuff so when I'm not working I love to do like just that kind of stuff or spa like give me a rub massage anything anything at all if you're ever stuck for a present for me lads spa voucher happy out yeah, yeah, just rub me, please. I'm a puppy. <laughs> and finally, what one thing can't you live without? Oh, gosh. It'd be soppy to say himself, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> or like, I know, yeah. Or my mum. <laughs> um, your mum your mom is so lovely. Oh, I love my mum. My mum is like, is the, like, biggest superhero you will ever meet um oh god what's one thing could I not live with? actually my I have a teddy bear um that I sleep with every night cherry she's a unicorn I probably I can't get to sleep without her I'm all wrong so I do love her what a lovely way to finish Jeanette mm. listen thank you I know it took us a long time to get here but I'm I'm just delighted that we had that chat and I can't wait to put this out and oh, uh <laughs> thank you so much no problem you're a star